my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here tonight with Jillian Absalom. How are you, Jillian? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. It's so great to see you. So Jillian and I were just catching up. Um, it hasn't been that long since we've seen each other, but um, but uh, but she graduated in 2021 um, with a minor in event planning and experience management, and her major was communications. And so uh, Jillian took a class with me through through our sport management concentration and is now serving in a really exciting position. And that's why we're uh, super excited to talk to her today. She is currently serving as a coordinator for ballpark and event operations for the Chicago Cubs um, in their spring training facility in Mesa, Arizona. So very, very exciting time uh, to uh, obviously um, be in, um, in in Arizona and to be involved in baseball. And um, we're going to we're going to get there. We're going to work our way there, Jillian. But um, tell us, first of all, where you're from. So was born in Southern California. Shortly after, moved to Northern California. It was like a year and a half. Uh-huh. And to a really small town called Portola. It's like an hour from Truckee, hour from Tahoe, hour from Reno. So like way up north. Oh, wow. Cool. I bet it's beautiful, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, really small mountain town. So like 4,000 people, maybe. Wow. Yeah. So we lived on a dirt road. And then when I was 10, we moved to Southern California. Okay. And we also lived in a rural, more of like a desert town. It's called the high desert. So it's like high elevation, but still uh-huh. a desert. Uh-huh. So that's called Pinion Hills. And we yeah. also lived on a dirt road there. So yeah. <laughs> had, horses, had ATVs and quads. So it's definitely a fun lifestyle of growing yeah. up. And, right. Yeah. Right. Fun. So, so what, what attracted your, your parents to dirt roads? What, what did they, what did they do? What did they do while you're growing up? Um, my mom was always like more of the country gal. And I actually, we moved into the house that she grew up in, up in Northern California. And so that was kind of why we wanted to be there. Uh And my dad is just, he really likes like more of the open spaces. He doesn't really like being around people. So they just like the kind of how you get away from everything and can have your own space and stuff. Of course. Of course. What did they do while you were growing up? So my dad's a fire captain. He's been a firefighter my whole life. Oh, cool. And I know California is a good place to do that. Uh, so yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I've talked to I talked to someone recently who um as a dad was a firefighter. That's cool. Yeah. And what about your mom? She is a school counselor. So in Northern California, she was a high school counselor uh-huh. at the school that she went to high school at. And then when we moved to Southern California, she's an elementary school counselor now. Right on. Very cool. That's awesome. Well, shout out to mom and dad. What about siblings? Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I'm one of five girls. I was going to say, you got <laughs> you got dirt roads. You got to have some kids to play with on dirt roads. Yeah. I, I, uh, uh, how, uh, what are, what's the age range right now? So it's, oh gosh, 25 is my older sister. Uh-huh. 23. Younger sister is 20. And then 16 and 14. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. wow. That's exciting. Very cool. Yeah. So it's quite the spread. My oh. older sister um, 
She was a Division One athlete at the United States Air Force Academy. Oh, wow. So, what did she yeah, play? Track and cross country. Oh, wow. Cool. Mm-hmm. So she just got married too, and her husband's a fighter pilot. So they just moved to South Carolina at a base out there, which is really fun. Oh, wow. Very exciting. Very exciting. Well, I love it. Well, so um, I'm, you know, I, I grew up, um, it wasn't, it wasn't really, it wasn't a dirt road, but um, there were lots of dirt roads where I grew up. I grew up on a farm. And so, yeah, I was an ATV kid too, growing up. And uh, I was back in the days when you had three, when they had three wheelers. Um, I, I, you know, they don't no more three wheelers anymore. Like they, uh, they outlawed those because we were, um, flipping them and uh, <laughs> getting hurt, getting hurt too much. Uh, yeah. Luckily, I, I, I my only injury was almost cutting off my leg, and um, uh, but I, it did not. I did not cut it off, so <laughs> that was good. Yeah. It, was an, it was an almost. Yeah, it builds <laughs> but, uh, character. It builds character exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, and I, I do remember too. My uh, I was I was riding my three-wheeler once with one of my buddies i was letting him drive and he hit a bump and we kind of like went airborne and he ran into my dad's tobacco barn and um like dented it all up and we were like so nervous that we were going to get in so much trouble you know yeah <laughs> um and, but we didn't you know whenever you're nervous you're getting in trouble it seems like you never do but when it's the, I seem to get in trouble when I didn't expect it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but um, so um, I'm, you, you said that you've obviously kind of painted a picture for us and you, and you said your, your one sister was a D1 athlete. What about you growing up? What were you into? What was your jam? So I was around sports a lot. I actually have two sisters who are D1 athletes. The one below me plays soccer at San Jose State. So definitely come from a family that values that. Um, So yeah, I played like AYSO soccer and stuff growing up, but I was always a bit more sensitive. And so I didn't really do well with the contact sport. Um, One time my dad was my coach for AYSO Mm -hmm. and he was like, bro, and hustle, whatever, telling me to, you know, pick uh-huh. up the pace and I yelled back at him I am and he benched me and so I was like yeah maybe we shouldn't do that anymore <laughs> I hear you well I I have a I have a little bit of a similar story like my my son Max um I have not been able to get him to stop running in the house he's still he's 12 and now when he now when he comes out of his room he does like the running man joke thing like with me you know because he's kind of finally starting to get it you know but i've been trying to get him to stop running since since it became like taboo you know once you get to be like six or seven it's like slow down stop running in the house you know and then he was when he was i think eight or nine um he played soccer and he would just stand there and would not run and I'm like, you run in my house <laughs> and you get on the soccer field and you don't run. And so we would scream at him, run, Max, run, you know. And yeah. he's kind of like, would be like, kind of look at us like, shut up. <laughs> you yeah, know? that's so funny. Yeah. But yeah, I um, I was actually really into like kind of more of like the musical theater and drama and performance side of things when that's I was cool. younger. I did. Yeah. 
piano lessons. I was in band. I did voice lessons, drama club, all that kind of stuff. And then when I was going into high school, I was kind of like, okay, am I going to be like a sports kid or a band kid? I need to decide. And so uh-huh. I, was like, I think I want to stick to sports. It's kind of, you know, my family has done and that seems uh-huh. like it's more my personality. And when I was growing up, my dad was super into football and fantasy football. Uh-huh. big bears fans ah. and so i know first round draft pick this year <laughs> nice very exciting um so he had us do fantasy football with him and so i that was kind of my intro to professional sport and what that was like uh-huh. so um even though we had five girls he didn't want us to be super girly girls and right. so yeah i chose to do sports going into high school uh-huh. and i did volleyball and track and ever since then i've haven't played much, but still been super involved and super into it. Yeah, for sure. That's very cool. And that's gotta be, um, that's gotta be really wild for, uh, for you. Was, did your, did you grow up a Cubs fan also? So my mom's family is from Chicago. Uh Uh, My grandpa has seven siblings. So Uh there's a massive family in Southside Chicago. So they were never super into baseball, but if they would, Technically, I think they call themselves Sox fans because they're on the South Side. But ah, right, I don't know. I didn't. I never had a baseball team growing up, so I okay. was pretty malleable to wherever I ended up in that. I got you, but that's still got to be pretty cool for your for your family that you're working yeah. for the Cubs. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about that that pathway to Cal Poly. Um, now, obviously, we've already talked about and um and and I love um. I love highlighting um, graduates that uh, that that had a had a minor in event planning and experience um, and experience management and um, and so but you were a communications major so talk to us about that pathway to Cal Poly now obviously you had a mom who's a counselor so you had an advantage there right even though she was elementary school when you were in SoCal but um, I imagine her experience as a counselor uh, was advantageous. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So when I was applying to schools, I only applied to schools on the beach. I just know I wanted to be by the beach. I love that. And so I didn't know much about Cal Poly. Um, My first choice was definitely San Diego State, and I got early acceptance there. And so my head was kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll go there. And my mom was like, well, you should still apply to Cal Poly because we had a few friends who went there. So I did. And I got in and we're like, okay, let's just make a trip, see what it's like. And I got there and it was like, the perfect mix of kind of like the country ag lifestyle that I was used to growing up, but then also the beach so close by. So it just felt like it was slow as a city and the central coast was just perfect for me. Yeah, And I was also really attracted to like the hands-on learn by doing yep. that Cal Poly does that a lot of other schools don't do. And yep. so, yeah, that was kind of why I ended up choosing Cal Poly and then communication studies. Um, I knew I wasn't going to go and, do math or science. I've just never been into that. Right. I didn't want to be a teacher. And so I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but communication studies was broad enough yeah. that I was like, okay, I'm a fairly relational person. I think I can maybe learn how to communicate better and that'll come into handy whatever I do for work and I'll figure it out as I go. So I ended up with that major. Yeah, 100%. That's smart. I love that. So, um so so now let's talk about um once you got to Cal Poly and obviously um I know from from looking at at all that you've done that you that you you got pretty involved um and, and embraced that that learn by doing um that learn by doing motto, right? And um 
and 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 worked for Cal Poly Athletics, and you were a Junior Giants AmeriCorps ambassador, and and did all kinds of things. But um, I wonder if two things, um, and, and we'll we'll get to them. I'll ask them one at a time. But but one, talk to us about your pathway in finding um, the minor, um, and and how you how you ended up being interested in the minor. So one of my friends, Emily, she was Emily Stevens at the time, but she also got married. So Emily Gregg now, um, mm-hmm. she was telling me about the minor because she was a kinesiology major oh. and she was like, I don't think I want to do kines. I found this minor. I really want to go into event planning. So she told me all about kind of how you can do some sports classes, some um, hospitality, some events. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that'd be perfect. That sounds like something I would love to do. Yeah. And so I just somehow got connected and added the minor, but she was the one who told me. And the funny thing with that and how that's like kind of a full circle moment is mm-hmm. um, she ended up creating her own wedding planning company and she was my wedding planner last summer. Oh, no way. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Emily. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so that's, wow, that is really cool. I love it. And um and you probably also you know I just noticed uh, you worked at Telosa so you probably crossed paths with Shannon Fouts as well do you know do you know Shannon I recognize her name I was looking at a few people who had been on there and I recognized her name I was only there for like four months oh, so okay. Okay. and I was more on like kind of the upper level tasting room and I think she was more ah, downstairs with was, like yeah. getting into the wine and stuff she was wine uh, exactly so we weren't like close one-on-one, but I recognize who she is. Gotcha. Gotcha. For sure. Um, so let's, uh, let's get into that, to that, your experience at Cal Poly, right? I think that's, um, I, I just love hearing about, about it. And, um, and so first of all, do you have a moment now, obviously we know you graduated in 2021, so, uh, it's, uh, it's fresh, fresh memories, but, um, is there a moment that really stands out where you're like, wow, I'll never forget that moment in, in college? And and it doesn't have to be related to anything work-wise or anything like that. Just a just a moment to share with us. An yeah, I don't think it's like one specific moment, but one thing that really stands out to me from Cal Poly and Slow is going to the grad with all my friends. That was just so fun. Just uh-huh. like putting my boots on every Thursday night. And regardless if it was a stressful week or fun, like we uh-huh. went on Thursday nights and it was just so fun. Like country music makes me happy and dancing obviously releases endorphins and being with your friends. So yeah, that was definitely a highlight and I miss it. And I wish that I would come back. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, um, I, I, I told you that I, I play a lot of golf and um, they, they I, I don't know if it's a temporary spot or what, but they're, they're now um, it's they. It says that they they've opened out at Dairy Creek. Um, the ground. Oh yeah, I saw that they have like kind of a moving location or something. I haven't been back to Slow since I graduated, so right, once right. I go back, I'll have to figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. Well, well, there's a sign now at Dairy Creek that says the Grad Nightclub, and I was like, oh wow, okay, so yeah. they're doing some line dancing out here at Dairy Creek at night, I guess. So. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm out there on dawn patrol at like 7am playing golf. So <laughs> no, no late night, uh, no late night, uh, country, country, Western dancing for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about professional development? You know, Jillian, when you, when you look back and you think about what you're doing now, is there something <clears throat> from a professional development perspective, 
um, that you did during your time at Cal Poly that that now kind of stands out and you're like, oh, wow, this really helped to propel me? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious answer is like the internship that I did with Cal Poly Athletics. Yeah. Right now I'm doing a lot of event operations, which includes like run of show and pregame festivities and writing the script and things like that. Uh But a funny thing that when I kind of looked back was my first kind of ever job was Starbucks at the UU. Mm -hmm. And the way that that propelled me into my career is kind of cool to look at because the reason I got hired at Telosa was because of my Starbucks experience. And then the reason I got hired at the Cubs was because of my Telosa experience. And so it kind of all goes back to like Uh me, just like, you know, a silly little like first college job working at a coffee shop, but that was actually really good experience. And Starbucks has a strong brand. And so, um, yeah, obviously like the sport experience is really beneficial, but also just having association with strong brands like Starbucks too. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think also, I mean, I can't imagine there's got to be <laughs> the volume <clears throat> that that you use Starbucks does um, working in a fast paced environment like that and like having to to be be quick on your feet. And obviously, customer service is a huge part of it. And um, and you ended up you ended up um, moving up to shift lead. So you had to like be a leader in that space. And um, I really, I really appreciate you saying that because, you know, I look back and um, I think about my um, food service experience, you know, as a waiter and a bartender. And, and then I ended up as an assistant restaurant manager. And I, I, I have said for many years that I feel like everyone should do something customer service oriented in their career because you get a new perspective, you know, you kind of see the other side of the fence, you know, uh, like I've told the story before about like, um, when I was yelling on the side of the fence at the umpire, my best friend's dad was the umpire. And he was like, you know, you'd be a really good umpire. And he was just trying to get me on the other side of the fence to realize the perspective of yelling at umpires, you know? And, yeah. uh, and so I think working in customer service kind of changes your perspective. And, um, but but probably, uh, you know, as you said, the networking um, aspects of it, um, building relationships is pretty important, too. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about your um, y- your transition um, out of Cal Poly and and to the Cubs. Um, so you've had in just your short uh, over a little over a year, a year, year and a half out of college, you've had two positions with the Cubs. So you started as a ticketing and event operations representative for the Cubs. How did that, how did that come about? Tell us the story about getting that job. Yeah. So I graduated at the end of winter quarter. So I was March of 2021 gotcha. and my lease at my house wasn't up and slow. wasn't up until end of July. So in that time I worked at Telosa, I was kind of like, mm-hmm. I'm never going to live in a place like this again. Most likely I want to be out in a beautiful vineyard, pouring and tasting wonderful wine. Like yeah. why not? And so I did that. And then basically I knew I wanted to move to Phoenix because Sam, my now husband, but um, he was transferring to Grand Canyon University mm-hmm. and we had been long distance at the time. So I kind of wanted to follow him out once I graduated. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking for jobs and sports out here. Obviously, there's a lot of organizations and teams out here. So yeah, um, 
the Cubs posted, I think in July, just the job on like teamwork online and LinkedIn. So I applied, I didn't have any connections or any like networking to the Cubs, but I just applied on LinkedIn and I got a call and then I got an interview and then I got the job. And my boss said that part of the reason why I got it was my time at Tolosa because it was sales. And I didn't think that, you know, being out there pouring wine really was sales, but you are trying to sell a product. And I think that was kind of cool for me to see because I never really thought I'd be a salesperson or I'd want to work in sales, but everyone has to know how to do it. And for me, it was a great foot in the door into the sport industry. Yeah, for sure. And I love hearing that, Jillian. I thought you were going to tell me a completely different story, you know, with uh, with Robin Baggett, who owns uh, who owns Telosa. I thought you were going to say, "Oh yeah, the Baggetts uh, hooked me up uh, with such and such at the Cubs or whatever." And uh, but no, it's that you were it's that you had that sales experience at Telosa. That is really awesome. So, um, so in starting in September. Um, with the Cubs as a ticketing and event operations um, rep, you've already you've already seen one spring training round, right? Um, but tell us and uh, talk to us first of all about what it was like. You know, your first full time job working for a professional um, for a professional team. What's it like being there in, in Mesa at the spring training facility? And how does the ticketing and all that work? Are you trying to sell tickets to spring training? Is that ultimately what you're trying what you're doing? Yeah. So what we do in Mesa is pretty separate from what goes on in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So when I came in September, it was kind of right when we started the season ticket retention process. Mm-hmm. So those emails had gone out and we started getting our touch points with all of our season ticket accounts. And then a month or two later, we started working on group po- prospecting and group sales for you know, like premium or hospitality areas that we have at the ballpark. Um, So they kind of, you know, block it into sections. You start with season ticket and then groups, and then they go into single game on sale. And then by that point, you're kind of in the full force of getting into spring training. So yeah, I think it was a good transition. I was on a team. There were five of us doing the ticketing Uh and um, we had a really good boss too. And so yeah, like I said, I never saw myself being a salesperson, but at the end of the day, the Cubs is such a strong brand and such a desirable product. And also there's a really strong association of Cubs fans in Arizona because of the snowbirds, you know, coming down here for the winter and then going back there for the summer. So it wasn't very hard to sell the product, which made my job a lot easier. Yeah, I bet not. Now, when you say season ticket holders, you're meaning um spring training season ticket holders right or are you meaning like you're contacting Cubs season ticket holders yeah they're separate so at sloan park which is our facility in mesa Uh we have season ticket holders there Uh and then wrigley has a separate set of season ticket holders up there okay cool I, i wanted to make sure i wasn't sure if there was like an integration where like season ticket holders with the cubs got like first dibs on spring training or like you know they they were able to to fly down. I, I assume there is a market though of people that, that fly down um, and spend like the month or, or the month and a half or whatever it is. Is it a month and a half? Is it six weeks? Is that what it is? Um, 
Yeah, I would say around six weeks. Um, it starts late February and goes through end of March. But yeah, we do have a lot of people who come down for the month. But I think the biggest market is the people who are here for the winter. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Very cool. So talk talk to us about um, one. What would be one key takeaway, right, from your time in sales? Um, everyone says the same. Well, I shouldn't say everyone. Most people say the same thing. I didn't. I never saw myself in sales, and I was quite honestly, Jillian, I I was that person, right? I I got involved in sales very early um, on after college, and I was in a word horrible at it. <laughs> like I, I could make the sale, but then it, when it came time to like um, exchanging money, my palms got real sweaty and I got like real awkward. And people were like, eventually were like, this guy's trying to scam me. Like, why is he sweating? You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like that yeah. type of thing, you know? And uh, so, uh, so I was bad at it, but I've come to realize in my later years that we're all in sales in one way shape or another, you know, like when I'm my, my first day in class, I'm selling students that I know what the hell I'm talking about when it comes to sport management, you know, I'm selling the way I teach the class and, and, and we're, we're all in, in, in one way or another involved in sales, but I want, if you could, um, t- tell us what like one big key takeaway was and, uh, from, from your time in sales. I think, for me and like the new role that I'm in, what I've appreciated the most from my sales experience is managing lots of accounts and being organized and, you know, keeping track of where everything is because in the sport industry, if you go into sponsorships or partnerships or community relations, like any front office role that you have within sport management is going to have a lot of accounts that you're going to have to manage and so I think that was the biggest takeaway for me, which is seeing the organization mm-hmm. aspect of sales and what it looks like to keep track of everything, stay in touch, be relational. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. that's the biggest thing for me. Love it. Love it. That's a great, that's great. Um, great, uh, great insight. So talk to us about uh, your current role. Um, so like I said, you're, a coordinator for ballpark and event operations. Um, so you you got so you had some experience uh, with that with um, your Cal Poly internship and um, and uh, and obviously uh, you're doing what you uh, what your what your minor what your minor was in and so that's pretty cool. But um, talk to us about that transition. Like how did um, how did the position come available? Like how did you end up getting it? That sort of thing. So basically at our spring training facility, there's only like four or five full-time people there. And one of them was my boss last year, Justin Lalone, who is in charge of the ticket staff. And then Lauren is in charge of event operations, fan experience, sponsorship activation. And so I worked a little bit with her last year on the sales side because I was interested in community relations. So she would hand me off the ticket donation requests and I helped with events and things like that. So she knew that that's kind of where my passion point was. And then when spring training ended last year, I was still kind of looking for a job. And she was like, if you want to join my team in the fall, I'd love to have you. I know that you know how everything works around here. You're organized. And I like having people who have done this before 
Mm-hmm. And obviously that's what you want to do rather than sales. So basically she kind of invited me to come back and that's how I got to where I am now. Very cool. Very cool. So talk to us, um, you, you know, when, when this airs, um, spring training is going to be in full effect, right? Um, it's, uh, I think it's, it's super exciting to be able to post a podcast, uh, about talking to, to someone working in spring training when f- spring training is, is in full force. So talk to us about, um, the, the planning aspects, like what, uh, what you all are doing, um, leading up to, um, you know, leading up to the game days and and that 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 hectic six weeks, right? Where where the 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 big boys are all uh, all down there playing, and then um, and then we'll 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 transition into the to the other stuff. Okay, so yeah, we have events going on in the fall. We have the Arizona Fall League, which is like the top minor league prospects. So that's kind of like a baby spring training that helps you kind of prepare for it. You get you know. You do run of show, line up, everything else, but it's nothing obviously compared to what it's like in the spring. Um, so what are we talking about in terms of a ballpark? Is it half full, quarter full? So at the fall, you get like 700 fans maybe. And okay. then spring training, our capacity is around 14,000 and our average is 13,000. So yeah. yeah, we get close to selling out, um, but which is why you know, it's fun, but there's also feels like a bit more pressure, but it makes it more exciting. So sure. yeah, we've been picking national anthem singers. We've been ordering golf carts for event operations, baseball operations. We have been, I've been managing a lot of the ticket donation requests, which has been fun for me to kind of take on on my own because yeah. at some point I do want to end up in community relations. Mm-hmm. Um, We've been working on signage, sponsorship activation, um, hospitality. So just kind of a lot of like smaller tasks that obviously still are a big deal when it comes to game day, but just day by day, it's just been, okay, here's what we're going to work on today. Let's just nail down this singer who goes on this day. And then, okay, we need to order these golf carts. How many do we need? You know, so Uh it's, it's fun that it's not always the same thing. Um, but yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, but it's exciting. Right, 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 right. So um, I, I just I I love that, and I love thinking about like what it what it might be like to 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 be there and um, during spring training. And you you were there, you were there for for last year, so you got a you got a taste of it. Obviously, doing something different, um, but but now. Um, tell us about like what your role will be on game days, like so. Um, so that when um when when this airs, people can turn it on and and see uh and see live from from Mesa uh, what Jillian's doing firsthand. So so tell us what your what your role will be on game days. I so last year we actually had the major league lockout, and so we kind of fully prepare like we are oh, this year. <laughs> completely forgot about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I'm we, we out of my had, memory. <laughs> I know. So I know. I, I wish it would leave my memory too. Yeah, but we still had um, 10 games. It was supposed to be 18 games, but we kind of threw it together last minute. So yeah, it's been fun to kind of be more prepared and actually yeah. know what's happening. And we're going to have the first normal spring training since 2019, which is yeah. a big deal. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, but yeah, my role will kind of be like, 
bringing people down on the field for ceremonial first pitch for national anthem, bringing them the microphone, um, kind of smaller details like that. And then also like we have a whiteboard where we write the lineup. So Mm -hmm. things like that, um, running things back and forth to the control room or down to the field or whatever it may be. And I think when it comes to game day, a lot of it is the pregame. And then once the game kind of gets going, it's like making sure the person's up there for the seventh inning stretch, or if we have an in-game promotion, mm-hmm. making sure that's set. Um, but we also have a few things going on, not completely related to baseball. So we have one of our big national partners is Budweiser. And so mm. for a week during spring training, we're having them bring like a um, shipping container bar. It's like those new trendy, like, oh. Yeah. activations and so we'll do that in the front lawn in like a Budweiser pregame so we'll help put that on we'll have like yard games and a band and stuff for that so we have the Budweiser Clydesdale come so coordinating that kind of stuff oh <laughs> making sure he doesn't poop all over uh where people yeah. are talking <laughs> yeah. yeah and we are even doing um March's National Women's History Month and we have a game on March 1st so we're gonna kind of make that game focus on women, uh, women first pitch, women national anthem, women seventh inning stretch. We'll do like a little recognition ceremony. So mm-hmm. it's fun to kind of do special um, like themed game days too. Right, right. Um, I love it. It's so exciting. And um, I know it's got to be super exciting to be thinking about the first, uh, like you said, I, I had not, I apologize for my completely forgetting about the lockout and then of course obviously with covid before that and um i had not thought that this will be the first um normal spring training since um since 2019 that is really wild and and very exciting um so let's talk about once spring training ends like i think a lot of people in their mind like think to themselves well what are they doing after that but you already told us and in fall, you've got the Arizona Fall League, and I don't think most people realize that spring training um, facilities like Mesa operate year-round, um, right? So yeah. tell us tell us what else goes on at the ballpark um, after spring training ends. We have, like, festivals. I think we're having a salsa festival this year. Nice. So um, Sloan Park works really closely with the city of Mesa because they're that's the city that we're in and so they have lots of events that go on outside of the ballpark or that go through so we have like charity walks we're having the mason marathon this weekend actually so that'll the ballpark will be incorporated with that mm-hmm. um and we have like nitro circus if you've heard of that they have like guys on motorcycles doing flips oh. in the air and stuff oh, so yeah, just kind of random events like that. I think we're trying to have a concert and maybe a comedy show there too at some point. So, yeah, definitely the busiest season is obviously spring training, but the ballpark definitely stays in use most of the time. Stays in use, right? And and is is it also, Jillian, a training facility where they send people who are on rehab assignments and stuff like that? Um, like, you know, because you, you hear as a baseball fan, right, you hear – extended oh they're at a extended spring training right like what is what does that involve do you you have anything to do with that or not so that's more on the baseball side of things but we definitely you know see that going on there's minor league spring training that happens after the major league spring training so that kind of goes a bit more into april and may 
Mm -hmm. Um, But they have minor league developmental camps that are going on even in the fall and the winter. And we do have guys who are injured who will come down like Kyle Hendricks, who's one of our main pitchers, was hurt majority of the end of last season. So he was kind of coming in and out of the same building I was working in, which is Mm kind of cool. So, yeah, we still have those guys down here sometimes if they're hurt and whatnot. Well, I wish we had talked. I wish we had talked so you would have known your connection with Kyle Hendricks. Did you, do you know your connection with Kyle Hendricks? Mm-hmm. He, played, he played for the Slow Blues. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Kyle Hendricks played for the Slow Blues. That's so yeah. funny. Isn't that cool? Yeah. yeah. So if you see him again, you got to say, you got to say, hey, Kyle, uh, did, you, did you play for the Slow Blues? I, I, um, I'm not making that up. <laughs> That's really cool. I you can will. say that confidently. You can say that yeah. confidently. All right. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that is pretty cool. But um, I, you were like um, uh, you know, our our um, our former department head was Bill Hendricks, and so um, uh, I think some some people on the um who are listening to the podcast probably thought that that's what I was getting ready to say. Yeah. But no, he was a slow blues alumni. We have lots of uh, slow blues alumni in the major leagues. But um, but yeah, Kyle is um I think he's a former Cy Young. Did he win the Cy Young or was he second in the Cy Young Award uh one year? I forget. Anyway. So let's talk about um advice for your for your junior self. That's one of my uh one of my favorite new um questions that I've been asking uh, my podcast guests. So now, obviously, for you, it wasn't very, it wasn't too long ago, and your junior year self was in the middle of a. Were we in the middle of the pandemic when that when you were a junior? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Geez, geez, almighty. So, what what uh, what advice would you give to your junior year self looking back? I think this wasn't as much an issue for me, but one thing that I can come up with advice wise is especially for this department, but if you're not, if you're not going to school after undergrad, grades aren't all that important. (laughs) And I think I actually followed that pretty well. I, you know, I got B's, I got a couple A's, maybe one or two C's, but you know, I passed. And I think for me, a big theme throughout college was trying to find balance. You're trying to have a social life. You're trying to get experience career wise and stay healthy mentally and physically all these things, try to make money. And so it was like some people, like I was a straight A student in high school and I got to college and I was like, okay, this doesn't need to be a priority. So I guess not necessarily advice to my junior yourself, but maybe other juniors who may be listening who are, you know, trying to do every inch of extra credit or whatever. I don't know. To me, that didn't seem worth it because when you're interviewing for jobs, in this industry, especially, they're not going to ask for your GPA. They're going to want to know what your experience is, life experience, work experience, whatever else. And so, yeah, I think sometimes grades aren't all that important unless, of course, you want to get master in sport management or whatever else. Right, 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 right. Well, and and yeah, I um I I appreciate that. And obviously, as an academic, you know, I have to uh I have to toe the company line and and say, don't listen to Jillian here. But um, <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. I, I the 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 part that I like about it, um, Jillian, is um that putting too much pressure on yourself part, and and the 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 message that you're sending um in terms of balance, and and I completely. And totally agree with that. And, um, and, and, you know, I think I would also add that, um, you know, finding your passion and realizing, um, 
you know, for me, I had a hard time as an undergrad, um, really balancing anything other than beer and, um, uh, <laughs> how many beers I was drinking that night. Uh, but, but it really, I think it was, it, I think it all boiled down to, um, to fear and me not really finding my passion. And once I found my passion at, in, um, in a master's program in sport management, um, that's when I started succeeding in a- academically because it was stuff that I was interested in, you know? And so for me, I, I, I find it a little bit tough, um, when I see students who, um, who are not excelling academically in like our major, right? Because I know our, uh, I, I feel like at least that our major is something where you can like, you can exert your passion. Right. And so, um, and so I'm like, yeah, well, if you're really into it, but I know that not everyone is They're They're still trying to, you know, you're 18 to to 22, you're still trying to find your way. And um, so I think um, I I love that advice on the balance part and, and, um, and, and obviously building your experience and, and, you know, building your social connections can help you too. Yeah. And, and that sort of thing. Yeah. But and I, I think when I got into the minor, that uh-huh. was something I was super passionate about and I really yeah. enjoyed. And so I did excel, but it was classes that I had to take like physics or intro to bio where I was yeah. like, okay, oh. this maybe isn't going to be super necessary for my career, <laughs> you know, yeah. things like that. So, yeah, I hear you. Well, I'm with you. I was not, uh, I tell people that, um, I was pre-dental until I met a girl named organic chemistry. And, uh, <laughs> and then that's when, that's when I, <laughs> that's when I fell off the path, yeah. but, um, but yeah, so um, Jillian, I really appreciate you taking the time. It's super exciting talking to you during this um, uh, and appreciate you uh, taking a, a break um, from your busy schedule. I know it's super exciting with spring training. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. And um, we wish you all the best and um, go Cubbies. Yeah, thanks for having me. Go Cubs. All right. See ya. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. Bye.